3: Welcome to the Rock and Roll Union Podcast My name is C.T. McManus and for the next two hours It is my job to get your mind off the craziness of the world out there And get it refocused in on some good old fashioned rock and roll If you guys are out in the Delaware area tonight Make sure you stop by at Bar 13 and give the guys at Rat Rod a big thumbs up for me They are the theme song performers for our show guys So a lot to get to tonight guys We have... Steve Bellow, and Every Mother's Nightmare coming up in the second hour. In the first hour, we are going to be discussing everything to do with cover bands. We had somebody post on the Rock and Roll Union page, a former member, mind you, uh, done for specific reasons, that wanted to post on the Rock and Roll Union page if you're a cover band, you're not a professional, you don't know what you're doing. We're discussing all that tonight and clearing all that up. But guys, before we get to all that, it is my extreme pleasure and my honor to introduce to you my special guest co-host of the evening, founder of BLE, and the hardest rocking dude on the East Coast in rock and roll, Brad Lee. Brad, you with us, brother?
4: I'm with you, brother. How you doing hey, tonight? Good, man. How you been? I've been all right, man, hanging in there, man. I was running around, running some errands today, so I've, I made it home about it. I guess about a half an hour ago or so So I can make the show So we're looking forward yeah. to this It's going to be a lot of fun time tonight
3: Hell yeah man So I mean with uh, with everything going on now with, uh, with the whole COVID situation And things going around Has there been any talk from the BLE camp As far as ballroom blitz As far as anything uh, that you're associated with That you can kind of uh, update us on
4: yeah, I mean there is. I mean, of course, you know, with what we do with the company and and being in being in the music industry, just like everyone else, artists, band, bands, uh, venue owners, promoters, we're all we're all trying to uh, to keep an eye on this thing and do everything that we can to ensure that when um, live music comes back to full capacity, it's back full strength. And um, this time we uh, we plan to put some stuff in effect to make sure that if something like this, God forbid, happens again that we're prepared for it and we're not all caught with our pants down. We can react a little bit better the next time. Um, You know, it's caught everybody off guard and, you
2: know, it's dampened
4: some spirits and put people in many depressions because they can't get out right now and and join in live music like like they've been able to do in the past. But um, we're doing everything we can right now to watch it. Um, We just got some good news the other day that uh, one of the venues that we used to actually do some shows at is uh, back open under new management and they have the ability to have a capacity on one side. It's a two-sided venue. On one side, they can allow up to 250 people in, and on the other side, they can allow up to 170. So um, nice. that's going to be a place that we're going to we're going to entertain having shows at once a month um, and do like a monthly showcase up there, um, get back into good graces and just wait for this thing to go full capacity so we can get some of the bigger events and some of the festivals off the ground, do some rescheduling for some of the stuff that we missed out on because of COVID and go from there.
3: Now, one question that I had for you, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in depth later, but uh, there, there was a big notion, and I think you and I have always been on the same page with this. A lot of people out there are saying that rock and roll has been dead or the, that golden age of rock is gone, and I, I believe that you're on the same page with me and feel like you know there, there's still a lot more left to be done.
4: I mean, it's never over, right? I mean, that that's what's good about artistry of any sort of any kind. You know, it's its, it's not a numbers game anymore. It's, it's the artistry. It's a matter of opinion. So, I mean, for people to say that it's dead, maybe what they view it as is dead or their perception right. of it is dead, but rock and roll will never be dead because rock and roll is a way of life. It's not necessarily just a genre.
3: I agree with you 100%. Well, guys, we are going to listen to uh... – The the new track from Glenn Mock, he was back on the show back in August. He is from Kansas City, Missouri. He is in the Trop Rock circuit. I'm glad to bring this to you. He dropped this with me a couple days ago. I promised him that I'd play it on the air. This is Glenn and the Tropical Dreamers, Carnival by the Sea.
2: This is a total package. Lex Luger,
1: you're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out.
3: Every
5: Tuesday
6: night at 9, listen in.
5: Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Brady Hicks, former WCW star, Stroh Maestro, Cassie Fist, Matt Grimm.
6: And you know Ray are there too, right Ray? We sure
3: are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Kaku,
5: and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus,
6: I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then I uh, an uh, didn't get pregnant either.
5: Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous.
6: We were getting into like snuff film territory there.
5: In the room.
6: 9 p.m. Eastern on V.O.C. Nation.
1: Wrestling with history, the voice of choice, and Killer Can resume.
2: When I die, they're going to open me up and find about two thousand undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mister Chris Cruz, what's going on?
4: Jesus, how did I get roped into this? New episodes air on VOC Nation, Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calchico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey Podcast on VOC Nation.
5: Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro, talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out, vocnation.com, WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation radio network.
1: Yo, this is Jerry Steig of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs nah, here, you get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, cause it's about to get nasty all around. And up on his mother. Get ready. Nasty sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.
3: Welcome back to the Rock and Roll Union podcast, guys. Uh, back here again with my special guest co-host of the evening, Mr. Bradley. And uh, before we start this roundtable that we're going to be talking all about cover bands and different things that bands do and don't do and the right place for cover bands and the wrong place for cover bands, I wanted to shoot the shit a little bit with my friend Brad here. And we're Brad, I know you've been in and around the, the scene for a long time. Uh, What do you feel Is like the, the proper Mindset behind a cover band
4: When you say The proper mindset behind a cover band You mean from like what the expectations should be When a fan goes and sees a cover band Or do you mean yeah. like when you're forming a cover band and actually in the band
3: Alright so say if you're a Bar owner that, that hires a cover band What do you think the expectations Let's just take it down a notch Uh what do you think the bar owner's expectations for that cover band? are?
4: From a a bar owner's mindset and and from a promoter's mindset, um, I don't, I don't particularly do a lot of, a lot of cover band stuff. I don't discriminate against cover bands. So there's a place for it. But the mindset um, that I, that I've come to know from venue owners and from promoters, when you're hiring a cover band is that you're looking to maximize your occupancy. Um, You're looking to find a a band that's going to draw and a lot of, People that come out to see live music on the weekends, unfortunately, are a lot of weekend warrior type of yep. um, of demographic who want to go out and and party and dance to songs that they know. And as you know, where the ladies go to dance is where the guys are going to go. So one Hell, hand yeah. watches the other. So um, that that creates a lot of the success of a cover band is uh, the familiar the familiarity of it. Yeah, man. I mean.
3: I've been. My parents were booking agents back in the late '80s, early '90s. I kind of grew up in the scene, and they dealt more with the cover bands than the original acts. And for me, it was always. I agree with you fully. Where the girls are, the guys are. And for some strange reason, you know, there it seems like everybody's still going out looking for the same music that they were looking for 25 years ago. But there's also, you know where do we start covering the new stuff who covers the new stuff and what new stuff do they cover since rock is where it's been so
4: well I mean, that's not something that you're going to see overnight i think it's a gradual evolution um you know there comes a point in time where obviously it's going to have to switch over because we're not we're not in clubs right now listening to you know doo you know what i mean right. so you know, it, it, it gradually evolves, but, you know, looking back on everything, it looks like it, it evolved rather quickly, but it's a gradual evolve. It's just that we're out so much in it and being in the scene, the more you go to these concerts, the less you're going to realize how much it is actually changing. So um, to answer the question in short, I mean, I think that um, it's going to get to that point to where we have to get the generation gap to where the generation is kind of changing over. And that brings in that generation of music. And that's how the the, uh, the music evolves is with the the growth of the people and what people want to listen to and what people want to go out and dance and, and and party to.
3: So we have the three members, the three other members of our roundtable this evening. Uh, introducing them one by one: the lead singer and front man of Shades of Grey. He's a big, uh, well-known person to our show. Dizzy Pizzy, you're with us.
7: Hi. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Union, this is Ethel at Dr. Johnson's office. Um we've got your test results back you you've got stage four gonorrhea, you've got two <laughs> cases of the bloody flux blood. and um oh let me well, oh, I don't know if I want to tell you this one. You probably have to come in to see it <laughs> Thanks hey.
3: man. we can always count on you <laughs> what Oh man, and uh. Next up is our boy Chuck from Chuck Hussein from Chuck's Alibi. Chuck, you with us?
8: Yeah, I'm right here. How's it going, guys?
3: Chuck, hey, I'm I calling in, Chris. brother. Hey. And it's our right. last person, part of our uh, round table, he is a very hardworking person, not only in the rock area but also in the medical area, and God knows we need it right now. Mr. Dave Wood, Dave, you with us?
7: Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, man. Hey, hey, hey. You, so, CT with that gonorrhea thing he's got there, you <laughs> know. <laughs> so let the
3: three you guys know, we also have a special co-host with us this evening, Mr. Bradley from Bradley Entertainment. Uh, some of you guys may know him, some may not, but uh, guys. Oh yeah, this is Brad. I know Dave. You know him.
7: Yes, I do.
4: <laughs> hey, Mr. How, Lee, how you guys not? doing this evening?
3: Hey, Brad. All right
7: on the good side of the earth.
3: Yeah, that's right. Any any day on the good side of the dirt's a good day. But uh, we were just talking, I don't know how much you guys heard right before you called in, we were talking about the bar owner's expectations behind hiring a cover band. And uh, I'm sure that you guys saw, I know Dave saw firsthand what really inspired this show Behind somebody saying that cover bands were not professional, where I feel like in some aspects they have to be even more professional but um what do you can guys I, feel? I'm just going to open it up and you guys can freely talk about it any way can, you want. can to. I say
7: one thing can I say one thing about cover bands versus original bands go ahead T there's not there's not one musician who picked up whatever instrument they're playing for the first time and started playing an original tune. They started playing somebody else's tunes So that's mm-hmm. all <laughs> you know? No you're, you're right
3: 100% But I mean I was going to as The the question that I was going to pose to you guys And you guys can talk about it any way you want to Is what are, what are Not only aside from Not professional Like moronic mentality Whatever that was To whatever else is out there What are the misconceptions behind Representing a cover band
8: Hmm. Misconceptions representing a cover band I don't know about that Misconceptions But you know what uh, As far as professionalism Or amateurism uh, It all depends on how much time You're spending honing your craft Whether you're in a cover band Or an original band uh, if you're not spending the time working on your craft, you know what? You're an amateur, and uh, I'm su- sometimes surprised to see what passes as a professional act in some clubs. You know, if I go into a club and and I'm seeing a band that's getting paid to entertain clientele, goddamn. Sorry, but gosh, you know, you better. Uh, be good, you know. If if I'm gonna sit there and cringe because of what I'm hearing, you know what? I don't want to be there. I don't care if you're an original act or if you're a cover band. Right? You know what the hell you're doing? You know? I'm sorry yep. if it sounds harsh, but there's plenty of them out there. I heard you're, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. Uh, you talked about the weekend warriors. You know, uh, the guys that hang out once in a while and get together. Hey, let's let's do an act. You know, uh, if they're not practicing all the time, you know what? you, you got to know your stuff. I'm sorry.
7: Yeah, I, I, I agree, and I, I told CT this. That I've seen a change in the bands that are playing. Uh, back in the 70s and 80s, if you were a band and you were signed to an agent, let's say like Apollo Artists and stuff in this area, uh, you, you had talent. You jam, Do you There were bands out there that were, that brung it every freaking night. I go out now, and some of these bands, I mean, they're mo, no more than garage bands, and they're playing yeah. every weekend and stuff. And I'm like, how are they doing this? Where is the where is the pride in what you're doing and trying to get? Okay, oh, some of this stuff is. is it's it's not presentable, and I don't know how it gets yeah, out there. But any any bar can sit there and pull a pool table off to the side or a jukebox and say, "Hey, here's a stage and play."
8: I can sign. Um, well, that depends on what they're willing to accept as payment, too. Though I mean, you know, yeah, right. sometimes you get what you pay for. You know, yeah. you might get well, well, something. Like take, something that you
4: know to take to take into consideration, not to cut anyone off, but also take into consideration how much the process is paying between how bands used to get booked and how bands get booked now. It's That's like now right. you've got a bunch of bands that are self-starters, and before it was you had to have an agent or management going to these clubs and, and get the gigs, you know? And now, you know, you've got majority of the times the bands are the ones that are doing all the promotion themselves and the management themselves and going out and fighting for themselves to get these gigs. So not to take anything away from their hustle and how hard they work and their work ethic, but that doesn't mean that just because you can pick up an instrument and walk into a bar that you're worthy of being in that bar. And, you know, every band has a start somewhere, and I get it. But at the same point in time, you shouldn't rush the steps and miss the rungs on the ladder trying to get to the top either. And that's something that I think a lot of bands don't take into consideration there in such a hurry to get in front of people and um, end up oversaturating the market and they're flashing the pan before they even get started. Yep. Yeah, the, yep.
6: what, uh, what, what we have here in, in South Jersey and, um, and and something that I've seen a, a lot of, um, and this goes with what you guys have been saying, it, the bar owners don't care how talented the bands are. They don't. If a semi-talented weekend warrior band is going to bring 100 people into their bar that are, are going to spend money – that bar owner is going to rebook that band as often as possible in hopes that they're going to bring people into the bar to get the business. That's what it boils down to they do. They do not care one ounce of how talented a band is. I've been told many times that uh, my cover band is super, super talented. But, geez, it's hard for us to develop a following because we play most
1: classic rock.
6: So if we bring 20 people, you know – that's a good. Night. Yeah, that could be a good night for us. It sounds pathetic, but that's you know that's kind of where it is right now. And we're very good at what we do. We have a couple of regular venues that, that book us because of what we do, and uh, people come out to see us at those venues. But um, it, 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 I've seen bands that are comprised of 18, 19 year olds, and because they have a heck of a following of their. Younger crony friends They're gonna, they're getting booked and rebooked And their prices yep. are going up because of that And it's not the way It should be but it, it is the way it is right now
4: yeah, so It makes the difference the- between social media Using it as a tool Like it's supposed to be used Using it as a tool and then taking social media And manipulating it to be able to promote your band And that's, that's right, two yeah. different things A band that's already established They use social media as a vehicle Right? for the band that's not already established, they use social media as their foundation. And that I don't think that's where the gap is. That's where the major problem is. And that's what allows the door open for any Tom, Dick, and Harry or Harriet to pick up an instrument and enter these venues and be able to think that they deserve to be on that stage. That's not to take anything away from people that are that have the initiative to get out there and God bless them for wanting to get out in front of uh in front of Live live, uh, live audiences if they haven't cut their chops yet But at the same point in time That doesn't mean that you're ready
3: uh, That's right And you know one thing that I wanted to ask you guys Because you guys have been up and around the block Many times Is when you guys get hired By a venue to go in And perform So many sets or whatever it may be Is there an understanding Behind what what constitutes is maybe safe material that you guys know, okay, everybody's going to want to hear this. Is there an idea behind maybe something that I know, I know shades of gray, you guys have been doing like pretty reckless. You've been doing some new material, which I think is great, but other bands are like a little bit behind the ball on that. Is is there a mentality going into what you should cover and what you shouldn't cover?
6: You got to cover it. It's got to be a hit, it's got to be a crowd pleaser, and it's got to be something the girls can dance to because when the girls are da- dancing, the guys are drinking, and money is being spent at the venue. That's, that seems to be the philosophy.
7: Yeah, that's, that's it. And like you said, with our band, we, we, do, we try and do the hits, but we try not to do the same hits. I cannot tell you how many bands are playing the same. they got the same set list. It's like four, five bands. They're all playing the same stuff. And, and the answer is, well, will people dance to that? Yeah, okay, I get that, but don't they dance to this song also? Wasn't that why it was an, a hit, at least for four or five weeks back in 72? Right. I mean, you know, there's a reason why there are songs that are popular. It's because people like them, and, and, and I see that. Now, that doesn't mean you do every song. Our band just decided to do two songs, and we are going through them. I'm like, man, these things are dead. They're not moving. It, we did them very well, but they weren't going anywhere so we dropped them from the set list but it's, it's, I think I think the part of that is where a lot of people get a little lazy and, and they don't work at looking and finding stuff and finding their niche and, and going after something different to make them stand out from the crowd well know.
8: see I don't mean to interrupt there but you just said something that is my band we're a niche band you know, we're not your average run of the mill cover band you know we're uh Play songs that, you know what, uh, people only people of a certain age will even recognize these songs that we play. They're on the older end of things, you know, uh, rock and right. blues and soul kind of stuff, you know, but uh, I have friends that are musicians that have sat in or come out to see us play, and they say, Yo, Chuck, you know, I never heard, you know, maybe they're 10, 15, 20 years younger than me. And they're like, Chuck, you know, I never heard these tunes before, but they're awesome.
1: You know, they were hits,
8: like you said. You know, back in the day, these songs were hits. You know, and people our age, you know, will recognize these songs. They'll be like, oh, yeah. And they're not the ones that get the airplay on the uh, uh, classic rock radio station. You know, they're kind of like uh, the B-sides or whatever. But everybody knew and loved these tunes. And, like, you hear these songs, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That's a great song. Oh, I love that song. You know, and, like, almost all of our songs are like, we have some hits that, Still get the mirror play on on the classic rock station but you know little they're Chuck, just you great changed, tunes, you change them up a little tunes. you you changed them I up I on you on like it, like, sure it's not note for no the you know it's not exactly. note for note a replication you know but but you took uh, a, you
7: took you took a spot and you made it your niche and you're the best at what you've got going let me tell you right. i've heard right. you right. you're, you're nice. the best at that and you you bring Thank people you. in because of that and then the ones that was well, a to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you took it and changed it up. I don't there's a lot of bands that don't do that. They feel comfortable right, right. doing the, the twenty odd songs that you know, Mustang Sally or whatever. Well that's <laughs> funny.
8: That's a song that everybody knows. And uh, uh, we had a gig um, a couple months ago. It was a paying gig, paid good money. It was a backyard graduation party, and uh, I was going to, you know, I had, you know, I canceled so many gigs when the uh, shutdown happened with the pandemic. Uh, we were hitting our stride, man. We had gigs, booked, like, two, three gigs a month
2: right. uh,
8: that we had to cancel, and uh, so I was going to take this gig, and two of my players couldn't, two of my bandmates couldn't make it, so I got some fill in and so we were kind of limited to what we could do. And Mustang Salad was on that set list. We had to put it in there. And uh, just because there's a song that everybody knew. And don't you know it, that that was like, the people in that crowd, that was like the favorite song of the night. Everybody <laughs> loved it. Everybody loves that Mustang Salad. And we hate playing it. I mean, it's a good tune, great tune, don't get me wrong, but it's like, yeah, whatever. You know, but they love it. People love it. They love
3: it. Now, is there any songs in particular with all you guys that, you know, there, there are certain songs that I know personally as a rock band, I can't bear to hear anymore, but it seems like a lot of cover bands out there still, do, Free Bird being one of them, Iron Man being another one. It, what songs personally that you guys feel would be cringeworthy to cover that you won't cover?
7: Oh I, I got okay. one you've heard me you've heard me name it Go before. Ahead. Man in the Box. <laughs> it's like it's like that's the only song that Allison Chains ever wrote. I'm like are you kidding me? And hey, CT I oh, T I gotta take one. issue with something <laughs> I gotta I gotta take issue with one thing you just said. What's you that? You said Freebird. Name me the last time you heard a band play Freebird.
3: That's true. Yeah,
8: that's 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 a joke. Nobody plays that anymore. That's like you know, right. everybody yells it. Hey, that's the
1: joke. That's the <laughs> exactly. joke. Everybody yells <laughs> out
8: Freebird, you know. Nobody yeah. plays it anymore. Now with guy.
3: you, two, now
8: with you two guys
3: being there, in now I know Dave's Dave's more more towards my age, but with you guys being a little bit older than me, was there a time in the club where everybody was playing that that it got to that point?
8: Everybody wanted to play that song, you know. Everybody thought that they were Skinner, you know. Back in the day, you had your <laughs> guitar guys, and you know, uh, that's where that joke comes from. You know, everybody was doing it. You know, the other one was uh, back then was American Band. Everybody was doing
6: American
7: Band. Yeah, yeah, you know?
6: yeah. We do that one too. <laughs> 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 well,
7: so CT, you, you said for I, I didn't know the other guys did, but. You said to come up with 10 songs I, I got 10, yeah. I can throw them in now If you want I'll to go Absolutely real quick. The, the could,
3: If you guys could roll uh, Chuck, did you make a list?
8: I made a list I, I had some help with my list too I want to give a shout out to uh, John Young The the drummer from Sorted Past the great uh, cover band Oh my cool band.
7: And Dave well, did the, did you man, Let's give you your list Let's well, these these are the songs that I think that are overdone by cover bands, at least in this area. I heard that some of these don't uh, other areas. One number one was Man in the Box. I'm sorry, that song has got <laughs> to go. All right? Yeah, I just got to go. I agree. Number number two was Some Kind of Wonderful by Grandpa. That was on my. Head. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> now
8: whiskey
7: now whiskey grin does a great cover of that tune, but everything else I just I can't take. Um, the third one I got down here is "Come Together" by the Beatles. The Beatles had so many freaking tunes, and everybody plays "Come Together." I'm—it's like, what is with that? Um, Probably because Aerosmith did it too.
3: Yeah, yeah. Good point.
7: yeah. Um, I got "Whipping Post" by the Almond Brothers. Um, there's, there's so—I think there's so many other songs. It's not—it's not that it's a bad song. It's just overdone, and that's the thing with all these tunes. I think they're overdone. I mean, try, try anybody plays bass. Try to bassline on Blue Skies. Woo. Um, yeah. uh Plush by Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> I I think uh, you CT. You know we we do some Stone Temple Pilots, STP, but we don't we don't do Plush. I think Plush is done with a lot.
2: Uh, yeah.
7: Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith. And this this next one is every single cover band that has a female singer. It's it's tiresome. Barracuda. Yeah, it, it, it's, I, it's, you know, how about Crazy on You or Magic Man or something? You know, or even Dreamy. Well, see, I you. got my
6: female. Okay, we do Crazy on You. I have too. to say, my uh, cover band <laughs> okay. has a female singer, and we do Crazy on You. That's
7: that okay. <laughs> and
6: Magic Man, actually,
7: what so we used to. <laughs> what do you say Chuck, Chuck? You were saying so.
8: Well, uh, you know, as far as like the female singers go, you know. Uh, on my list, out of the ten, I have a few songs for the females out there, the girls. Zombie, all right. Yeah. The yeah. do zombie, or hit me with your best shot. Okay. Yes. Yes. So uh, that's those are the two I got for the uh, for the girls. And then you know yeah. what everybody? And these are songs I said Mustang Sally, Sally. Uh, Everybody always wants to hear, and I, I hate it, is the Sweet Caroline or Brown-Eyed Girl. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, Sweet Caroline.
1: <laughs> everybody, everybody,
8: everybody you're going to have two times, three times tonight, somebody's going to come up and answer those songs. Uh, Simple Man, great tune. I, I'm sick of hearing it. Sweet Home
1: Alabama. Okay,
8: yeah. <laughs> I was going to say also uh, uh, Brown Sugar. And you gotta have yeah. a Tom Petty song in there, "American Girl." Yeah, you know maybe even uh, uh, "I'd Had uh, Come Together" on there. But <laughs> you know, there's I li- I like to hear somebody else's
7: work too. Yeah, the last two that I had here, I had "Roadhouse Blues" by The Doors. Oh yeah, that, yeah man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see somebody get invented. Let's do the end. <laughs> oh man, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then the well, last one I familiar. got is, uh the last one I had it here on my list is you know I guess I guess in, in reference to Eddie was uh, you really got me by uh, uh, I, I yeah. can see it. <laughs> I can see it now. A bunch of guys get in the garage going, "Well, you know a tune, you know. Too. Well, how about you really got me? Okay, and that's you know,
4: and oh, there we man. go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm gonna the, the promoter, a little the promoter bit. in the room, how did you guys leave out Don't Stop Believing? I don't care if I don't <laughs> ever hear that again. You know what?
7: I, I didn't leave it out because, guess what? While I was researching and doing this for CT, I came across a list of 50 songs. This is Rolling Stones. 50 songs that you need to know to play in a classic rock cover band. Guess what number one was? Don't, was stop, it. Don't, believing. Don't stop believing. <laughs>
6: that's, the, uh, that's the number one downloaded song on iTunes. That's the number one downloaded song of all time Now, is that iTunes.
3: for all the white chicks who show up to the show drinking pumpkin spice lattes?
6: Oh,
7: hey, <laughs> yeah. man, take it yeah. pumpkin spice in <laughs> If you got time, CT, I could run down this real quick after if, if, if everybody does does their list.
3: Yeah, if man, you, we got I plenty run, of time.
7: Yeah, but it's 50 songs, and you you'd be surprised. And guess what? Big Mouth Me, you know, with me. Oh, I don't want to do that. Uh, some of these songs, my band does, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> there goes my opinion, right? The, I'll I'll go down real quick. All right, don't stop believing. Sweet Home Alabama. Sweet Child of Mine. Guns N' Roses, wow. Living on Living on a Prayer. Now these are all songs that you have to play in a cover band. Yes, yeah. Yes. Uh Jesse's Girl, Rick Springfield. Oh, <laughs> here you go. Sweet yeah, Caroline and Brown Eyed Girl, right back, back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Summer '69. Play oh, that man. funky music. Uh, oh, American geez. Girl. You shook me all night long. Hard to handle, Mustang Sally, Roadhouse Blues. I love rock and roll. Walk This Way, Aerosmith. I, I want you to want me by Cheap Trick. Uh, Tush by God. ZZ Top.
1: Oh my uh, God. Pride
7: and Joy. Rock and roll by Led Zeppelin. Brick House by the Commodores. Your Love by the Outfield Crazy Train by Ozzy. Rock and roll all night by Kiss. Long Train Running by the Doobies. Uh, Enter Sandman by Metallica. Life in the Fast Lane by The Eagles. I don't know about that one. Um, Keep Your Hands to Yourself The Georgia Satellites. Old Time Rock and Roll Bob Seger. Magic Carpet Ride by Steppenwolf. How did that get over oh, Born man. to Be Wild? I, uh, all yeah. right, Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard. Superstition by Stevie Wonder. Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. Uh-oh. Hit me with your best shot. There it is. Uh, <laughs> Any Way You Want It by Journey. Journey's on here twice now. Okay. Honky Tonk Woman. Yep. Uh, The Joker by Steve Miller. All Right Now by Free. Can't Get Enough by Bad Company. Some Kind of Wonderful. There we go. Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi. Jenny Jenny, which I think is a fun tune. uh, What I Like About You by The Romantics. Jump by Van Halen. Talk Dirty to Me by Poison. Highway to Hell Me and Bobby McGee by Janis Joplin. Basket Case by Green Day. Man in a Box. There we go. (laughs) And what I got by Subline is That's the 50.
1: Wow.
8: Wow! I don't have to go out tonight. I was going to go see a band. I don't have to go out tonight.
1: You just ran off your entire set list. I'm sure.
8: (laughs) Oh my God. That That is awesome. Let me ask you guys
3: a question. So with With everything being said, now there's places for cover bands and there's places for original artists. Where do you find is the best? I mean, obviously, bars and clubs. I mean, there used to be a big scene when I was a kid, when we were all kids, back in Atlantic City. If you got into the casinos, you were big time. Um, What are the best spots for you guys right now?
1: Well,
8: right now, I would imagine in, in my immediate area, you know, because, like, I'm just a stone throw from Time Out in Barrington. Okay, that's a premier spot. Laughing Box down the road in Magnolia uh, was uh, is picking up there with that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, uh, I see you would do the shows at the uh, – uh, oh, Jesus. What were the shows you were doing at the uh, Hot Shots? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, that's a little, uh, they could fix that place up a little bit. Uh, you know, but, um, you know, uh, what was that? Sweeney's was an up and coming spot uh, for some of our bands in this area. We're going to Sweeney's. I know that they're venturing into the Delaware area now. I really haven't been down there.
1: So, awesome. uh,
8: yeah. And, you know, there's that nice spot. I, you know, I would love to have gotten my band in there. It's the, uh, uh, the firehouse or whatever it is up in, uh, yes. what is that in Burlington or,
7: you know, or the spot. Union firehouse, whatever it is, but uh, the fire, uh, is it the one in Philly that you're talking about? No, there's a no, place no, no. In... The one in, uh, what is it? Oh,
4: Burlington? Man.
3: It is Burlington, but I gotta say they took an old firehouse and they revamped You're it into a music. You talking firehouse
4: where L.A. Guns and Pretty Boy Floyd and um, Britney Spears no, no, a couple no. years ago? I wish that one. That's a nice venue too. But yeah, I I see, <laughs> the
3: first one they they revamped from an old firehouse. It was a legitimate firehouse for the town, and they turned it into a music venue, and. It was, um, if you guys have ever been to Witch's Ball in South Jersey, um, it was right outside of where they hold Witch's Ball in Mount Holly. It's it's an amazing venue.
8: That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about on Washington Street in Mount Holly.
7: Yes. Because there's there's another place over in Philly that did the exact same thing. They took a firehouse and converted it into a bar and a venue to play. That's called The Fire. I don't know if
8: you okay, this is the
3: act. Union firehouse in uh, Mount Holland, yeah gotcha okay so I, I want to yeah. ask yeah. Brad, as far as being the promoter on the side of everything, where would you what would your be your ideal situation be as far as booking cover bands and where you see placing them and how you would utilize them?
4: Well, I think the biggest duty from a promoter standpoint is a promoter knowing their their areas and where they're promoting. Um, you know it's so easy for everyone to say, you know, oh I'm a promoter now because all they think they have to do is hit the share button on Facebook. That's so right. You have to get out there and actually be hands on. Mm. A lot of these, a lot of these concerts, the promoter is not even at the shows.
2: I mean, yeah. how mm. ridiculous
4: is that? Like you're putting your word and your name and your company brand on the flyer and you're promoting the show and being the one responsible and then you don't even show up to the venue. So That's I mean, right. I think part of it is, like I said, knowing your demographic and knowing what draws in your area or whatever uh, what area you're bringing a, a show to, you have to be a student in that area and be able to get out in the mix and be able to go to live events with other promoters and see what other promoters are doing and what's drawing and, and really be like just like a musician practices their craft with their instrument. A promoter has to be aware of its surroundings and get out there and be hands-on and go to these events and see what's going on around them, what everybody's doing and what. That's, uh, you know, what's putting asses in seats. I mean, that's as simple as that. If a band yeah. draws, they draw and if they don't, they don't. You know, some of these bands and you know, I don't mean no harm and I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but they couldn't draw with a box of crayons and paper. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, but they're the ones that'll tell you that they'll draw a hundred people and then you know, their grandmother and two coworkers and a girlfriend show up. But Yeah. I, mean, you I know, actually had a bar a, I
7: had a bar and tell me he's not paying for paid practice. <laughs> He's not paying for rehearsals. <laughs> no. That's right. So but I mean, you, you, but you missed out, CT. You missed out, and, and, and there's one. I, I know you're you're talking about these different things, but there's one thing that you kind of miss, which is what my band tries to focus on: is that you got the venues, you got the places to play. But see, we're we're we try and hit the festivals. Yeah, we have festivals all over the place that got live music, and mm. to be honest. A lot of times the money is a hell of a lot better than what they're paying at the bars. You you sure as hell don't have to stay not up sure. till two in the morning. Um, you know, we got Bill Bill, our bass player, seventy five, and you know, <laughs> staying up till two in the morning is just not an option. So, you know, but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of festivals out there. You'd be surprised. I was looking at the Apple Scrapple Festival down in Delaware, man. They they got the blue festivals, they got it, they got all kinds of festivals. It, for, it festivals. I you know, it's it, it there's stuff out there and they pay well.
4: Yeah, they do. We're festival marketing the reason played, it uh, can pay it can pay a lot better is because it's got higher occupancy. I mean when you have yeah. some of these bars that can only hold two hundred and fifty people, they can only pay for so much. When you get some of these festivals out in the middle of the field or some of these large uh large festivals that are coming to some of these concert halls and uh and theaters I mean the argument is so much more. If you got a thousand people versus two hundred and fifty people or a couple thousand people, look at M three. You know, when yeah. you got an amphitheater or something like that to work with. I mean you can pay the bands a lot more. And uh that draws an even bigger crowd when you got cover bands at festivals because then people get more bang for their buck and you know, right now it's all about creating value, especially in times like this where people are already struggling financially because of the pandemic and not yeah. being able to bring everything in full capacity. Right now it's all about creating value and keeping the keeping the uh the fans that we have and the supporters that we have Hell
3: yeah so we, we have you. About 10 minutes left I also wanted to do uh, Wanted to give you guys a chance to If you have any shows coming up If you have uh, how people we can go about Finding your band uh, Tizzy I'm going to save you for last Because you know what we're going to talk about yep. But uh, okay. Dave as far as uh, Cool with me Like where are you guys pl- Do you have anything planned Do you uh, What are you guys up to right now
6: uh, our last official gig was back in February. Uh, everything that we had scheduled um, at our main places uh, got canceled. Um, they did a gig. Uh, it was a benefit gig for one of the uh, band members, uh, Bike Clubs, who uh, they, they got a fill-in bass player because I couldn't take off of work. Uh, but other than that, we don't have anything going on at all whatsoever, <laughs> and, um, I, except um, I think we're doing – uh, a benefit at the Laughing Fox uh, at some Sunday in November. Uh, okay. For helping hands, helping hands kind of thing. Um, and, and that's it. Oh, man. Yeah, COVID's killing everything. Um, Chuck, do you have
3: anything coming up?
8: Yeah, no, we don't have anything uh, lined up right now. Our last gig was just this uh, private party, and then we. uh, hooked up with uh, uh, Tizzy over there, Dizzy Tizzy uh, for the yeah. Jam on the Dam this summer. We had a great time. It was great a beautiful show, day. Great man, yeah. Uh, oh, he
1: did, yeah, They killed it. I uh,
8: freaking absolutely loved that. Chuck Salibi. They were freaking awesome, man. Uh, thanks, thanks, thanks. But, uh, you know, we just now started getting together regularly uh, for indoor rehearsals. Uh, uh, two weeks ago, uh, uh, you know, uh, we jammed out back in my backyard a couple of times over the summer, but you know, my keyboard player, uh, uh, he's got family members that are, uh, uh, you know, uh, high risk, you know, so he was a little wary of, uh, even with our control, you know, I made a little sneeze guard, uh, out of an old, uh, light stand. I hung a, uh, a clear, uh, shower curtain liner from it. So I, I could sing, and all my water molecules uh, wouldn't go spraying all over the place. But, you know, I didn't blame them for not wanting to come in there. But now the numbers are were improving, so we just started practicing. So, you know, we're going to do our thing and uh, just bide our time and uh, see what what goes on. You know, uh, there were all those outdoor shows. Once in a while, you know, you'll see us uh, – individually or together pop up somewhere. I did something with Eddie Lambert over at the laughing Fox a couple of weeks ago. And my keyboard player and guitar player sat in with us. So, you know, we we get out there and do stuff, but you know,
3: and you uh, can check this out at
8: Chuck's alibi Band How about that? That's awesome.
3: And, right. and between both you yeah. and cool with me guys, you know, as far as anything is concerned, please drop them on the rock and roll union page that we're always there to support you guys. And, uh, Tiz, you, uh, first start us off with Shades of Grey, if you guys have anything upcoming, and then we'll get into what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I'm
7: finalizing. I think we're going to show up, actually, this week, next week, at uh, at time, uh for the open mic night. I think they're going to have nice. this featured, uh, featured band there. In addition, they're running the, the Trilogy of Terror. They've got... Danny Danzy, A.J. Slick, and Georgie Rumble all playing that night, too. Oh,
1: so, yeah. that
7: next next Thursday night, the open mic at Timeout's going to be freaking hopping. Um, can't wait.
3: Man, and uh, as far as n- breaking news is concerned, I know it's before Halloween, but plans have to be planned. Tizzy, why don't you uh, – I'm going to let you break the ground a little bit on the uh, – the Rock and roll union toy drive for 2020. It's a little different. This oh, year.
7: yeah. We're uh, well, uh, CT and all, we're doing a toy drive, and uh, what we're going to do is we're getting bands for this week to, to sign up, try and get bands as collection points, uh, for the fans and whoever wants to donate can at least contact the band that signed up with us. Um, I've got the pet boys of Turnersville involved uh, partnering and they're giving us bins that we can give to all the bands that to collect all these toys. And then on December fifth, actually that starts November first, we're gonna be doing that, starting starting that, starting the collection. And then on December fifth, I'm going to go around and with Santa and the elves and, and, and uh the Easter money probably, I don't know. Um <laughs> We're going to be picking up all these toys and stuff, and we are taking them to the Salem County um, – I forget the name of the Board place. of Family Services, uh, guys. Okay. And, I mean, the,
3: the, one, the one thing I can say about the Salem County Board of Family Services is they are the hardest hit, hardest region in South Jersey as far as um, – children that are affected by drug abuse or children that are affected by family disputes or family violence or things along that line. Uh, we're also going to be kicking off the day. I'm very excited to announce this. I have, uh, I've been dealing with it all week and it looks like we're going to be kicking off the day with tunnel crush and a driveway show in central Jersey. And then we're going to just be going on our way. We're going to do the, uh, podcast live from the road. And, uh, Whatever bands want to be involved, whoever wants to be involved, we have uh, Black Leg Miner out of Baltimore who's going to be doing a uh, show out in Baltimore. They're collecting stuff. We're going to be doing a uh, pickup from those guys. So if you guys want to be involved, hit us up, and uh, it's looking well, to be a great
7: – There's one th- with the bins, and that's the thing. We get these bands. I want to try and get bands to sign up to do this for this, and you can do whatever you want. To try and collect. I mean, if you if you're doing a show and you want to take the bin with you to the show and get and get people to to donate toys and stuff, new unwrapped toys, unfortunately. So, but take the bin, get it filled up, do what you can, and then uh, I think CT, you're going to have whoever gets the most toys or whatever is going to be able to run a podcast
3: on, on their own. Correct, or, man. So, I'm going to do all the hard work As far as downloading any kind of uh, Songs you guys want played on the show I'm going to be sitting behind the scenes I won't be talking at all You guys will host an entire episode Of the Rock and Roll Union Podcast For whoever collects the most toys For our toy drive You guys will be hosting An entire show You can play nothing but your music You can play yours and your friends Whatever you want to do The whole show is yours And that goes to the person That collects the most toys for this toy drive Excellent So I know it's a little early It's before Halloween But like I said we have to do uh, Have to plan for things Next weekend is Halloween So this all begins November 1st Which is next Sunday believe it or not And that's going to run Straight through to December 5th When we start picking up everything So, guys, I want to say a great big thank you to all you guys, man. Dave, Chuck, Chris, man. I mean, as far as anything else is concerned, do you guys have any last words you want to get out there real quick? Any shout-outs, anything?
8: Well, CT, I want to say thank you to you for all the hard work you do, promoting all these uh, local talents and – just uh, thank you for uh, keeping the music alive, man.
3: Thanks, Chuck.
6: Yeah, second that. Thanks, Jeff. Go so vote. Easy,
3: yeah, saying you know, as far as a non-political thing is concerned, we're coming up into the nit- the thick of it. Get out and vote. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. So, yep. whichever way you vote, just get out there and do something with it. So,
1: but
3: uh. Brad, any any last thoughts on the whole cover band situation?
4: Um, no, 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 no uh, comments on the cover band situation. Um, <laughs> you let everybody else get a pop off, so I'm gonna get a pop off real quick. I actually have a a show that I'm scheduling. I'm doing a Christmas show, and we're flirting with the idea of doing a coat a coat drive for the homeless. Um, my oh, mother-in-law yeah. does a lot of work with the homeless for Happy Helpers here in Maryland, and um, we oh, want to cool. do a, either a coat or a blanket drive, um, give something back to the community. So we're going to do something like that. Um, we're going to have four bands on there right now. I'm not announcing the bands, but it's going to be back at the original Cancun Cantina, again under new ownership. Yeah. It is a country and rock bar now. Um, they have nice. a Latin dance night one night out of the week. The rest of the week, it's a it's a country and rock bar now. Um, no more, no more hip hop DJs and things like that in there. Not um, gonna have a bunch of problems down the parking lot like they had before there. Um, and the new ownership is not playing around. Um, and Ronald County Police are having to look out over that place. They keep eye on the parking lots for us now and all that kind of stuff. So everything's going good up there right now, and it looks like uh, you know Glen Burnie, Maryland, BWI Airport area has a new rock and country venue. So. Uh, be on oh, the lookout yeah. for it's all awesome. information on all the Bradley Entertainment uh, web pages and social medias. Um, December thirteenth, it's a Sunday. We're doing a Sunday Fun Day. It's going to be a Christmas event, so looking forward nice. to that.
3: So I, I will tell you one thing, Brad. And as far as everybody is concerned, from the Rockwell Union, as far as South Jersey area is concerned, we'll help you any way we can with blankets and uh, things along that that line. So
7: we'll, yeah. we'll post set that on, on the Facebook page.
3: Paper. Hell, yeah, please, Brad, connect that on the Facebook page, and we'll all get right behind that.
4: Do down here in Maryland to help help the surrounding areas. Um, you know, I feel like building a conglomerate is a thing to do, and if we can get Mid-Atlantic region all uh, on the same page to when this thing gets back in in full swing, uh, we can do a lot of damage here in the Mid-Atlantic region. We have, we have right. a large rock and roll following. We have, for those that say rock and roll is dead, if you continue to say rock and roll is dead, you're dead. Like, you're just yeah. dead inside, and you have <laughs> no ground on what's going on because rock and roll is anything but dead. So, I uh, said my piece.
6: The Baltimore area supposed to be the new rock and roll capital of the world. Uh, I, I, I yeah. wish I lived there. <laughs> so, guys, thank um, you so much. We got to take
3: a quick commercial break. I, guys, everyone, thank you so much for being with us tonight. And uh, anything future posts on the Rock and Roll Union page Thank right.
6: you Take care, See have you. a good night everybody
3: good Have night. a great night Thank guys you. We're going to take a quick commercial break And once we are back We are going to be joined by Steve Bellow Don't go anywhere guys, we'll be right back
2: General Adon, Kito Santana, Haku, Earl Hebner, Danger, Danny Davis, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Brodus Clay, and so many more. Archive free content includes past interviews with huge names like Paul Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter, at VOCNation.
5: Whatever's going on in the world today. VOCNation.com Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights. 9 Eastern on the VOC Nation Radio Network.
1: The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.
3: All right, guys, welcome back to the Rock and Roll Union Podcast, and welcome back also with my special guest co host, Mr. Bradley. Uh, guys, we are now shifting gears to our next artist. This is Steve Bello, guitar player extraordinaire. We are very excited to welcome him into the Rock and Roll Union family. Steve, are you with us? I'm right here. Hey, man. Thanks, Steve. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard, but we also have our special guest co-host, Brad Lee. Uh, he is the head of Bradley Entertainment, promoter, and uh, mm-hmm. just general a hard-working guy on the east coast as far as rock is concerned i know he's also had his uh stint in vegas as well so just a really good guy to get to know but uh steve man thank you so much for taking time out of your weekend to join us
0: oh no problem man. i'm glad you wanted me on board it's really cool
3: <laughs> so uh if you could run us down a little bit as far as your history and uh your background is concerned a little bit. What can you tell us as far as how long you've been in the game?
0: Uh, well, I've been playing guitar for 40 years. The uh, professional musician for about 30. Uh, I pulled out for a little while. You know, as of last summer, I just wanted to walk away and recharge my batteries and where my life path took me, and I've been a music teacher for many years as well, and I totally enjoy it. You know, it's the biggest thrill when my students' eyes light up, you know, whether I'm showing them a C or an ACDC tune or whatever, they're, they're totally into it. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I put out seven albums since 2003, and I'm about to start work on my eighth one very soon. Uh, after that, you know, I think I'm just going to say, all right, that was cool. I got a bunch of music out, and whatever happens. So. <laughs> I hear you, man. And, I mean, as far
3: as influences are concerned, who do you go back to? Like, who did you grow up emulating?
0: It was uh, when I was a kid, much much younger. I I heard Led Zeppelin, and that's what got me music in general. Uh, And also, you know, stuff that you heard in the 70s, because of my aunt. Uh, She was listening to Aerosmith and Queen, Deep Purple. And then her boyfriend at the time, he got me to Kiss. And then a short time later, you know, I, I took up the guitar and I wasn't very serious with it, but then I heard Jimi Hendrix and I was like, I got to play the guitar for life. So <laughs> him and Richie Blackmore were the two guys that made me gonna do this for the rest of my life. And from there, I got into guys like Ingway Malmsteen and Steve Vai, Vernon Reed, you know, typical heavy metal bands of the day, Loudness Accept and, you know, Metallica. I just tried to absorb as much as I could. I was listening to jazz fusion. I was listening to funk. I was listening to classical I just wanted to be a little bit better than my peers, so I just played anything, everything I could think of. I hear you now.
3: Currently, uh, what are you what are you working on currently?
0: I, I'm about to start my eighth album, and I I have a producer. His name is Michael Sabini. He's the drummer from the band Attacker. Uh, he's got a studio in Jersey City called Bandmother Recording, and he wants to produce my my record, which is great. Uh, I've, I wanted to announce who the drummer and the bass player were going to be. We were supposed to have rehearsal this past Thursday, but uh, the studio called me the night before and said they messed up my time slot. So now the rehearsal will be this coming Tuesday. So I hate to be coy. I don't want to mention the guy's names yet until, you know, everything is set in stone with rehearsal, the right. first rehearsal, see what happens, but I can guarantee, uh I think people's lids are going to be blown off with who i who who be helping me with the new music? It's going to be really intense.
3: Man, that's great. Now, um, as far as the whole COVID situation, did that hold you back at all from anything that you're trying to get done?
0: Well, when I when I walked away from performing this summer, long before all this happened, I I just felt like I had to simplify my life. You know, I was I loved playing, but I just got honestly, I got fed up with it. And when all this happened, everybody said, man, I bet you miss playing. I'm like, I I don't, I, you know, I was, I lost students for a little while. Fortunately, they, most of them came back, you know, because their parents were sure of their future. They lost their jobs and stuff like that. And fortunately I got to build my student base. Uh, Nothing really held me back. I mean, it's, it's, it was pretty upsetting that I couldn't sit in a diner for a while I couldn't go to a bookstore for a while. I mean that that's what kind of bothered me. But gotcha. Now that things are slowly reopening, yeah, I, I felt like okay, yeah, I have to wear a mask to get it. It's cool. But now I can go into Barnes and Noble, you know, and I like simple <laughs> things. I'm a simple guy, so now going back to your uh
3: your latest recordings that you have, um, as far as the last single you had out was Snuggle, when did you record that?
0: Uh, that was August, because August 25th, I it was this year, I was on Twitter, as I always am, and this woman, uh musician, guitarist, singer by the name of Rose Alemo, I think that's how you say her last name, she made a post, if you have, you can write something for my Christmas Spotify playlist, inbox me. So I thought, you know, I need a challenge. You know, I've written metal, I've written funk jazz, I've written reggae. I've never written a Christmas song. <laughs> I don't know if it was in me, you know. I, I just don't know. So I wrote her and I said, if I come up with something, will you give it a listen? It's going to be instrumental. She goes, as long as it's like a holiday song, I'll be fine with it. So that night, I went downstairs into my little basement and I just started plucking on the guitar. And I'm like, wait a minute, this actually sounds pretty good. And I, I recorded a rough demo and I sent it to her. I said, "This is not the finished product. What do you think?" And she goes, "Wow, it's really nice." I said, "Give me a day and I'll guarantee I'll have something really much nicer." So I just added a harmonizer on top and I sent it to her. And she said, All right, I'm putting this on my playlist. And then I thought, you know what? I'll sell it. What the heck? Right. And what was really shocking was everybody went, "Wow, you actually write nice. You can actually write nice songs." I'm like. Don't, don't get too used to it. So, (laughs) but it was a nice for me, you know, and I'm glad people like it. And it it was definitely very, very, very different from anything I've ever done. So I'm not about to do a full Christmas album. I'm not kidding, you know, but uh, I, I just did one thing it was cool.
3: Now, are you more comfortable say doing things instrumentally, or are you more comfortable in like a full band aspect?
0: Well, I had to resign myself to the fact that I never really have a solid band. I, I have a revolving door. I, it's just some, the way it is, and it helps me stay on my toes. You know, if I think if I had the same lineup, you know, I wish I had easy topper U2 and had the same lineup for 40, 50 years, I, I think I'd be in a better position. But I also, knowing me, I think I would get kind of bored. So it's good to have new blood every time. Uh, I've been very comfortable doing instrumental music. I used to do you know, demos back in the 80s and the 90s to try to find a big band to play in. And everybody would say, well, dude, you should do instrumental music. You don't need a singer. I'm like, well, you know, you need a singer, to get the record deal, and you need the singer of this. And and then when I signed my endorsement as in 2003, they asked me, do you have any CDs for sale for clinics? I guess I do now, and I threw together an instrumental thing called Twisted Metal, and I guess I have an instrumental career, and that's how it happened.
3: Now, have you gotten into anything as far as licensing?
0: I've been putting the feelers out, you know, BMI, and I sent out some stuff, and and I'm just like, you know, if uh, it's going to sound really weird, but my dream is to be in a Spongebob cartoon (laughs) because I heard – yeah, do you, you see the one with Pantera, that music Pantera did? Hell yeah. I heard that. I'm like, if they can get on, I can do it too. And that was however many years ago, 2005. And then I saw the SpongeBob movie with my kids when they were younger. And Twisted Sister was in it, Motorhead, David Lee Roth. I'm like, I could do this. Right, so I put right. the feelers out. I'm like, put me in a SpongeBob cartoon. You know, even if it's 30 seconds in a car commercial, I mean – that, I've been trying to get out there. Like I've had, I've had friends say, "What about video games?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, you know." But that that is like the toughest door to yep. open. It's so tight knit, and I do have a couple of friends that are on music for Discovery Channel and HGTV. And I'm like, "Can you get my foot in the door?" Dude, it's really hard. I'm like, "That's your way of saying you won't help me." But uh, I'm I'm gonna keep trying. You know, something's got to give. Now, Brad, any suggestions you can give, Steve?
4: Oh, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just it's just about it's just about who you network with and getting around the right people. I mean, you know, I'm not going to give advice to someone who's in the been in the business so much longer than me, but
1: you know, right, right.
4: times change and, and the evolution of how how the business is handled industry standards are different and how we go about doing things a little bit different especially with the way that networking is working now with social media um back in the day it was kind of like a, a word of mouth type thing where you just you deal with who you know and who they know and who they know and before you know it you finally get to the person you were meant to be with now it's you know it's, it's most of the networking is done behind a keyboard so i mean the the best advice i would give is if you really want to get the stuff out there and get it to the right people that may be able to help you and open up some of those doors it's, it's it's mostly all done behind a keyboard and computer work nowadays. So it's just uh, putting the time together and getting out there and making the right connections and keeping your, keeping your circle tight and honest. So that's, that's the easiest oh, way yeah. that I've learned to do. I
0: mean, I, I, I have some good connections, you know, it's like you said, it's the matter of that, that one person saying, all right, let's give you a go. You know? But I have some good connections. I, I, I don't overutilize them, but I don't utilize them either I don't want to be a pain in the butt. You know, that's just not my style, but right. I, I I get the feelers out. You know, I'm not a known player in that regard. I'm not Steve. I, you know, I'm not Joe Satriani, but people have heard of me in certain circles and I've passed out many business cards at NAMM this past January. I was just like, Hey, Hey, you can get me, get me a session, you know, whatever. I, I network as best I can. <laughs>
4: Oh, I yeah, mean, I, NAM is NAM is the place to be, but who knows if Nam's is going to come back now after, you know, the way that COVID no, has kind of changed things up yet again, you know.
0: So. Yeah, well, they canceled Summer NAM, and they they announced back in I think August that uh, the California NAMs canceled. I mean, that that was like a huge thing through everybody's heart. I mean, you know, Vernon Reed from Living Color. I've been friends with him for over 30. Years. He made the post. He's like, "Wow, no NAM, this sucks." I'm like, "Oh my God." <laughs> Yeah. yeah, geez, but what are you going to do? You know, so, you, you know, I think I think weird way, this is the best time for musicians. You really have to put the grunt work in and you could be a bit more relaxed, just the same. You, you don't have to worry about somebody breathing down your neck. You better get this album out by Friday or you're dropped. And you know, I'm noticing a lot of musicians on a local level and national level, they they seem relaxed putting out music like, OK, we don't have a time constraint. I have a studio in my house. I'm just going to do an album. Great. You know, Satriani's doing two new records. He put something back in April. He can't tour behind it. So he'll just do right. two more records. So what the heck? <laughs> I mean, the the beautiful thing about being an en-
3: instrumentalist is that, like you were saying earlier, video games, movies, every, it's So it's a little bit easier when you're not tied down to an entire unit to kind of decide right. where you're going to try and focus your energies and where you can place your music and not worry about so much all the other members in there when it's just you. But I mean, what, what makes you happier? Is it, does like instrumental work make you happier or playing in a unit make you happier? Or where do you see your future going?
0: Wow. Great question. Uh. <laughs> I, I I look at it this way. I managed to find the right musicians at the right time with each album. Then after that, whatever happens happens. You know, I don't own anybody. Uh, a lot of musicians I've noticed over the years to be less loyal to the bands they want to be in. Uh, they they think you know. How's the best way I could put it? They don't want to be down. So I say to myself, all right, play my album. After that, if you want to leave, you want to leave. And I'll always be creative, you know. I'll always be writing. I'll always pick up my guitar, and something will fall out of my my hands, and it's a great feeling. If I find the right musicians for the album, great. After that, I just throw my fate to the wind and say, now what? I just do what I do <laughs> I think I'm more relaxed in that regard I'm not worried about Oh my god I gotta do this and I gotta do that And stress out And that's that's why I walked away from all of it Like I'm stressing myself out too much Yeah, I'm not having you. fun I
3: mean once You stop getting the enjoyment out of it I think it's, it's not worth Doing anymore And no. uh, I believe you're following The right path on doing what you Need to get done but I mean, th- this is such a hard time in which we find ourselves, in as far as rock is concerned, and as far as everything is concerned. But um, what's next for you? Or you said you're getting ready to do the next album, and yeah. uh, any any idea of when you're trying to get that done by, or anything along that sort?
0: I used to give myself a time limit or a timetable, and that's what freaks me out. So now I just say, all right. I, I'll tell you, I wanted to come out with an album in 20 in 2019. I did an album that came out in 2018 called Marblehead, and I started writing new music around Christmas time, 2018. And I thought, all right, if I could record something in 2019 and get it out by the end of the year, that didn't happen. All right, let's shoot for 2020. Well, obviously, that's not going to (laughs) happen. But I figured, you know what? I I, I tell people spring 2021. This way, they can't say, well, you said April. You said May. No, I said spring. (laughs) This way it comes out earlier.
3: Realistically, there's no cap on creativity. Um, But my my last question to you is, we're getting ready to play Climbing the Walls. What can you tell us as far Next. as your writing idea behind that or what went into the creative process for that?
0: Well, the song has an interesting backstory. I was trying to work on an album in 2006, and you know, some of it came together. Uh, that's, that's a drum program on the song. That's not a drummer. I was working with Garage Band, and I had a bass player, and we had a huge falling out, that happens, and I put everything away. And then I just started working on other music. I for- totally forgot all those songs. I was like, whatever. Because of COVID and, you know, right. not being able to record for a while, I went on my iTunes, and I'm like, oh, wow, I forgot about this song. So I listened to it. I went, wow, it sounds pretty damn good. <laughs> and it's, it's actually unmastered. You know, I left it. No, no, I take that back. It's on. It's not totally mixed. It mastered. I mastered it. And I figured, let me just put that out there. And there was another song called Smash the Past, which had a different title. And again, drumming, the bass player. I'm not going to name the person's name. But I put climb in the wall. I said, this is the perfect song for this year because everybody's going mental. <laughs> that oh, planned. Yeah. I went. No, but. You can think that, you know. I'm a genius. So that that song I wrote, I was listening to. I still love the band, you know, like On Earth, Between the Barrier and Me, Throwdown, like really heavy stuff. And I want I'm gonna to try to write a song. <laughs> it totally worked, you know. So when I listened back to it recently, I went, "This is pretty good." I'm gonna release it and see what people thought over it. So. You know, I actually sold a few copies, so <laughs>
3: awesome. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being with us, man. I mean anything thank you. as far as any kind of upcoming releases or any other future news, please drop it on the rock and roll union page. That way we can keep up to date with everything that you're doing. And uh man once again, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. It was a great you,
3: pleasure to meet
4: your acquaintance, brother.
0: Thank you, same here.
3: Have a great evening. You too. All right, guys, here is climbing the wall. Every Mother's Nightmare, Nightmare, when it goes away, guys. Really, really excited about the new album. Rick will be calling in momentarily. The new album from Every Mother's Nightmare just dropped yesterday. Such a killer album. If you get a chance, please check it out. Uh, Brad, any ideas, uh, any thoughts on the
4: band? I got plenty of thoughts on the band, man. You know, (laughs) we've worked together a couple times before, man. Great guys, classy guys, you know, as far as uh you know their work ethic and they, everything like that their professionalism uh you know we had uh we had and have quite a relationship with highball music, so um you know, big shout out to bill chavis and, and Lori. I know you guys are probably listening to hear hear your guys on the radio, but um you know they've been making their rounds promoting this album really hard, and they busted their ass to put together a kick ass album. Uh, they've been hitting the circuit with the podcast and doing interviews here and there to get it out, and uh, you know great group of guys and and truly hardworking individuals and you got to love that about artists these days when they still work hard and don't expect the world to be handed to them. So that's a great group right. of guys you got coming on the show here.
3: And I believe we got Rick with us. Rick, are you with us? I'm
6: with you, sir.
3: Hey man, yo! Know, I just had to play that song. I listened to the whole new album today. Blew my mind. But when it goes away, uh, Bill told me there was a story behind that song to ask you about it. But I, I got to say that's one of my favorites off the new album. Could you tell us a little bit about
9: that track? Uh, yeah, man, that song's really close to home. Um, when I was, uh, I was uh, had a little bit of uh, my daughter. She's just turning eighteen, and she's uh, coming into her own, and she's. Uh, she's a lot like me. She's the splitting image of me. So arguing with, with her is like arguing with me, but, uh, you know, it was just, uh, I was just, uh, in the studio and uh, I just kind of, you know, I don't write nothing down. So I was just saying what was in my head and, uh, uh, you know, it came out and, uh, everybody I came out in the studio and I just told everybody, I said, that's what's going on at my house. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's very, uh, it's very dear to me. That song, uh, uh, it means a whole lot. Um, the whole record, you know, it just kind of came about like that. So, uh, I'm I'm real proud of it.
3: I wanted to give you a quick intro. Uh, I know you've worked with him in the past. My friend, uh, Bradley, is with us as well. He is our special
9: Bradley, co-host uh, tonight. He's, good. he's a good man, good man.
4: So, I'm Mr. So, Rick, how you doing tonight, brother? How you doing, brother? He scared me to I'm death when good, I am doing the bro. Know. Tell you. <laughs> that was an accident, man. I didn't mean that. I, the look in your eyes—I didn't know whether you. I didn't know whether I came out and scared you or whether you were gonna start swinging back at me, man. I ain't know what was going was, on there, I but. Little, I was going to hide, that was, man. That was a good damn night, though, brother. <laughs> yes, sir, man. I had a good time with your boys the other night. Hey, brother, don't worry, man. We'll be, we'll be back working together again soon. We uh, we had a meeting on Friday at the at the venue where actually where that occurred at. At that Cancun right. Cantina, and it's under new management again. And uh, we struck up a deal where we're going to be doing some shows together. So hopefully, we'll be able to get you guys back right through the Baltimore area, man, and promote this new album.
9: Cool deal. I'm ready.
4: I'll, I'll talk to the boss, man, about it, man. I'll get him on the phone this week. We'll, <laughs> we'll have a little discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Rick, Rick, one thing I got to say is, you know, I
3: was looking back on uh, some of the albums that you guys have put out beforehand and the album before this was Backtracks. And I got to say, I feel this is one of the the one thing that I came away with on this album was that you had a lot on your chest you wanted to get away. And like, it, it was one of the, like one of the deeper, darker, every mother's nightmare albums that i believe you guys have ever done uh was yeah. there a lot was there a lot going on personally when you released this album
9: well um man you know uh there was a little bit uh we had uh we had had the original drummer come in for a little while and he wanted back in the band and he came in and you know we uh we had uh i'll just say that we had to go different ways because uh we had conflicts of interest but uh you know that was kind of a, a shock, uh, and then uh, but then throwing Alan Bone, our new drummer, in on the mix, which uh, you know, I don't I don't even think the record would have happened without him coming in because he was uh, a fresh look, uh, and he's pro, he was pro and uh, he was just ready to do it. It was his first record and he was in a hundred percent. So yeah, there was a lot uh, a lot uh, a lot on the table, a lot riding on the whole thing to happen. Um, so yeah man uh it was uh there was a lot of things going on just about everything on the record is something that was going uh real close within 10 feet of any of us at one time so uh you know uh and that's kind of what i wanted to do i wanted to take this record and from every aspect of it come at it at a different angle or different attack just uh just so it's not rehashing nothing and um You know, I didn't want it to be labeled as heavy metal or hard rock or this or that. I just wanted it to be a a collection of good songs and heavy songs. Uh, You know, we're all rockers at heart. You know, we like good old heavy rock and music. And, uh, you know, that's the the way it came about. And the record, uh, uh, I'm happy to say that the record flew together uh, because I had uh, five guys in the band, including myself, you know, uh, all pointed in the same direction and everybody was the song is number one and the, and the collection of songs is number one. And, uh, you know, it just, it just, uh, it just happened, you know, it's once in a lifetime thing to have a, uh, have it all go together like that. So uh pretty excited about it. Pretty happy, you know? Oh <laughs> yeah. Rick, one thing I'll tell you is I remember when I was a teenager,
3: what. uh, as far as rock fans are concerned, one thing that we would do is we would put the new album on, lay in our bed and just listen, just absorb it. And for the first time in a long time, I got to say this album, I did that with, I absorbed it. And it was just, it, it was powerful. There was so much material in this album that I believe that like, was building off from probably years of things that you probably wanted to say, things you wanted to get off your chest, uh, musically as well as personally. And I just got to say, I think the album is one of the best Every Mother's Nightmare album that you guys have come up with.
9: Thank you. Uh, yeah, man, I call it getting demons off my shoulders, you know? <laughs>
3: Hell yeah, man. I I can feel that too. I mean, certain songs looking back on it, it was like, I mean, the Resurrect the Faithful, you've gone uh, on other interviews and you've said that, you know, the older guys that were always there, the, the tried and true that were always in the crowd, but I believe that there's a younger generation coming up as well. What would right. you say to the younger generation, as far as rock is concerned, or as far as anyone that says, you know, rock's done? How, that's kind of been the premise of this show for some strange reason. As far as right. who I'm saying that rock's dead, how would you how would you
9: follow that up? I would say uh, it's never dead. You know, I just think it needs a it just needs a, a fresh look every once in a while. You know, uh, to me, rock and roll music is just. Uh, you know, uh, it's just uh, to me, it's just straight from the hip. You know, it's from the gut. It's nothing uh, conceived or contrived or whatever you want to call it. It's just, uh, you know, most of the guys that I ever grew up really listening to are the guys that uh, that went out and lived it. You know, and when, but you can't really write it until you go live it until you go that's through right. the crap. But uh, I think that's the key to it. You know, it's just uh, you got to you got to. In this business, you really got to just put yourself out there on the line, and and if you're going to say something, you just gotta you gotta do it, you know, and uh, let it all out and uh, and hope for the best. <laughs>
3: oh yeah, man. Now, um, as far as y- you know, your album came out amidst of the whole COVID situation. I'm so glad that you know the one good thing that everyone's been saying behind the COVID situation is there's been such a plethora of like music as far as inspiration and people having a moment to stop and kind of get that ex- like that expression out. What would you say the whole COVID situation is for you as a person or is every mother's nightmares and as a collective?
9: Well, I think for the, the most part, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta kind of watch out for yourself and watch out for your people. And, uh, I think this gave us, you know, it kind of fell at a crazy time for us. We were about three quarters of the way done doing the record. So uh, we were kind of locked in the studio anyway, but all this time that we've had to, after the record's done, we've had time to go home and really live with the record and play the record and and rehearse the record and fine tune the backups and fine tune everything to work. You know, we're killing, we're hitting on eight cylinders, baby. And, uh, you know, we just had time to sit in jail. Usually you're you know, in this business you're you're on the road, you're in the studio, you're done with the record, you're back out on the road, uh and uh you you haven't really got time to go do that. And I think I think that's uh, that really uh just gave us some time to gel with the record and get uh get it one with it and uh uh, you know, I, I think it's good. I think there's a lot of bands out there that, that took this time to to get back with their self and, you know, you got to really love this business to do it. Cause there's not a, there's a whole lot of hot dogs and peanut right. butter in this business. Nothing like that everybody thinks. <laughs> so, so you got to really love this business to do it. And I think when you get time to go back and play your songs and deal with them and, and relook at them and really find out what you were, you know, what you were saying when you uh, wrote all these songs uh, uh I think you, when you get time to do that, it's really uh, not a bad thing.
3: Man, I just got to say that, like, as far as, you know, you guys dropped the initial Every Mother's Nightmare album, 1990, and now we're 30 years later. I mean, to the T, you guys, 30 years later, what would you say the difference was between your, your, from 1990 to 2020, how much the band has grown, or how much you have grown personally, or the sound, or... Everything is concerned what would you say the difference has been for you from 1990 to
9: 2020 I think the uh, the biggest difference is uh you know back back in the day when uh, we were doing our first record you know all we know all we really wanted back then was we wanted a record deal everybody wanted a record deal and you had to have a ballad or this a certain kind of song to do that and um you know, I, I think when we did our first record deal, we played maybe 13 shows together. So we were, we hadn't even gelled yet. We haven't got, uh, we haven't hadn't got it together. Uh, but I think what uh, all this time has is, has is, is taught me is I jump in everything uh, feet first and ass backwards, and I, I gotta figure it out as I go. And I've just figured out my craft, and I figured out songwriting, and I figured out. You know, fans. Fans are number one in this business, if you ask me. Um, and just being in touch with all of those things, I think, uh, I think helps a ton. You know.
3: Hell yeah! Now, you you and Brad go back a little bit. Brad, could you tell me a little bit about? I mean, you you kind of opened up. And I you know I gotta ask what exactly oh, yeah. you guys were talking about in the beginning of this. Uh, Pac, uh the beginning of the spot where you guys were talking about scaring
9: the hell out of each other.
3: Well, I tell you what, what
9: happened? <laughs> we had been at this event, put on this, had put on this event, and we were playing it. And I, I didn't know that we were getting for, for our grind record. The record label got, you know, we all got plaques for the record. For the record, it finally reached the whole world, and uh, you know, it it started out as just a five song. Little disc here in, in Memphis, and uh, I got with Bill Chavis, and he pushed it all around the world, and then and then uh, we did Nim's event, and uh, I didn't know we were getting plaques, but he came up on stage, and he was he was mad, man. He said, "Stop right now!" He just made a stop in the middle of the fourth <laughs> song, and, wow. and he was. He was pissed, man, and I was like, "Oh!" Shit. So I started, I started trying to find me an exit off stage. I was like, "Man, what did we do? <laughs> we done something wrong?" And uh, man, he made me cry on stage. He brought me my plaque. He brought me my album, and, uh, and uh, he made me cry on stage. And uh, but uh, I love him for it, man. He's a great actor. <laughs> he, uh, he sold me on because I was ready to get the hell out of town. <laughs>
4: It's impressive yeah. right there, bro. I mean, that was the first time that we had worked <laughs> together and uh we did a we did a show out in Vegas too for a birthday party for a um a a good friend and a colleague of ours, uh Miss Laura Scott did her fiftieth birthday party out in Vegas and um let's just say that the one we did in Maryland turned out a lot better than the one we did in Vegas. We had some uh <laughs> some sound issues to say the least out there in Vegas. Uh nothing nothing that was the band's fault, all on the sound guy. Um, there was a pool there, but at the risk of electrocuting the whole crowd, I didn't. I didn't throw the sound around the pool. But now I damn sure wanted.
9: I know you wanted to, though. As well. <laughs> so no, I so, mean, man,
4: I was not a happy camper. <laughs> oh man, what are you gonna do, man? It's rock and roll, man. It ain't supposed to be perfect, but I mean, you know, like, like Rick, uh, you know, said earlier, and and I mean, he hit the nail on the head. If you say you're gonna do something, you got to do it and And you know when and some of these sound guys some of these industry industry professionals uh you know they they'll tell you the world so that they can work with you so that they can be a part of an event or have something to do or you know be a part of the ride but um you know few and far in between do you find someone with the work and integrity and uh, every mother's nightmare and highball music those are. You know, some great entities we And do I, I do love there, doing, doing you do, things. You, them. you
9: do a lot, man You uh, you do a lot We have much love and respect for you Because uh, you've done a lot You've helped me a lot So, uh, you know, there's much love it's
4: there me, It's mutual, brother Y'all keep doing what you keep doing And I'll keep doing what we're doing So, you know, like I said oh. You know, down the road We'll, we'll meet again Don't, don't you worry <laughs> I don't know yeah.
3: <laughs> Now, the the last question I have for you, Rick Is the newest single is breathe. Can you tell us a little bit behind that? We're, we're getting ready to play that. Could you give us a little behind the scenes on breathe?
9: Well, you know, that right there was uh, it was uh, the COVID thing was almost coming in, but uh, it was just at a point. Um, it was probably the last song that we had written, but we were going into a new studio, so we uh, I went down there and was listening to what they had at the at, at, at supernova uh, with uh with Dave Cowell and and Matt Montgomery and uh I was just hanging out in their studio with them and um they were playing me stuff and they said, "Well, tell you what, you come in here and your record will sound twice as big and it'll cost half as much." So that got me right there. So I said, "Okay." So um so yeah, uh, I had this breathe song that I was working on and um the whole idea of the song was when the guys started playing it, you know, it was just all kind of choppy and laid back and when we hit the chorus, it was just like taking a big old breath of air in and i kind of felt like that's kind of where the world was at a minute you know everybody was just ready to take a breath and uh you know and re reevaluate and re-roll and uh so uh we went in the studio and uh the song came out phenomenal i was kind of uh i was scared to play it for the guys in the band when i first started writing it because it was uh such a a step to the left for me because uh like I said, I was trying to make everything a little different. Uh, I didn't want to do the same record again. And, uh, man, it was just uh, that song just fell together and, and came out. And uh, as soon as the first chorus hit, it was just like, God oh, man, a big old breath of air. And uh, and I changed everything right then. I said, uh, that's going to be the first single. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of the way the whole record came when, when I was singing Resurrect the Faithful. Uh, I couldn't get it to happen. I was in the studio one night and it just wasn't going to happen and wasn't going to happen. And uh, I left and went home and was cooking my boy something to eat. And uh, I was just humming through it and I started going, "Resurrect the faithful." And I said, "Man, that's it." And uh, I called the studio back and went down there and we tracked it that night. And uh, that's kind of the way the whole record went, you know. It just a uh, stroke of luck, uh, a lot of luck, a lot, of, a lot of hard work, and a lot of uh, a lot of love for what we do, you know. Man,
3: Rick, thank you so much for spending time on your weekend with us, man. We're getting ready to play Breathe right now. Uh, Man, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Have a great rest of your weekend, man.
9: Thank you, guys, for having me, man. Remember, you got to (laughs) breathe.
3: Thank you, brother.
9: Have a great weekend, man. You too, brother.
3: That was Every Mother's Nightmare. Big thank you to Rick Roll for that interview, man. That was a great time. That was breathe. Guys, make sure that you go out and you buy their newest album, Resurrect the Faithful Guys. Great album. I can't speak highly enough about that album. And once again, man, I want to say a big thank you to my guest co-host, Bradley. Thank you, brother, for hanging all night.
4: My pleasure, brother. I thank you to the Rock and Roll Union for having me. Keep doing what you do to keep live music and and, and recorded music alive, man. People say rock and roll is dead. It couldn't be a bigger misconception. We're alive and well, brother. We're coming back full strength. Be ready for it.
3: Hell yeah. And if you guys got a chance, if you're in the Delaware area, make sure you get out to Bar 13 tonight. Check out Rat Rod, October Black, and Whiskey Grand Live at Bar 13. Show pops off in about an hour So you guys still have a little bit of time to get there Until next time We're going to be joined uh, I actually wanted to tell you guys a quick uh, Heads up We're not going to be going live next Saturday night Instead we're going to be going Friday night In honor of Halloween we're going to be off Friday night we're going to be joined by Kevin Mercer And we're also going to be joined by the Sabra Kadabra Lee vocalist For our yeah. Halloween special So we're going to have a little bit of Alice Cooper A little bit of Ozzy Osbourne We're going to be showing that on Mischief Night Friday night Special show time At 6 o'clock as usual guys So next Saturday night we're off Next Friday night we got a big one man Brad once again thank you so much brother
4: Brother we'll, we'll be in touch soon man I appreciate you having me man Take care and have a great weekend.
3: You too, brother. And until next time, guys, remember rock and roll. Have a great night, guys, and a good rest of your weekend. Uh